Many of the most successful producers and musicians of today give name drop credit to their mentors for having remarkably significant impacts on their lives. This is especially true in hip-hop, from Dr. Dre and Eminem to Birdman and Lil Wayne to Smoke Perp and Lil Pump, but these kinds of relationships have been around for centuries. How and why do they work, and why the prominence in rap culture? We have a lot of questions to discuss today, and on that note, welcome to Rattling Hi-Hats, the hip-hop philosophy podcast. I'm your host, Jeshua Noll, a SoundCloud rapper turned education major dedicated to the study of philosophical issues in what has become arguably the largest musical, visual, and cultural movement of our time. Before we begin, let's take a moment to imagine what the Harry Potter films could have been like if Dumbledore had been played by Dr. Dre. Are you imagining it? I am, and it's pretty awesome. It also would have conveniently solved the minor continuity issue regarding the death of Richard Harris, who played Dumbledore in the first two films before the role was passed down to Irish-born actor Michael Gambon. Harry Potter himself would, of course, be Eminem, and I can't help but wonder who Voldemort would be. The sinister spirit of Slim Shady? Okay, now that we've got that out of our system, let's get to the topic at hand. Mentors, like the alter egos we discussed last time, are prevalent in American literature and music culture and are especially common in hip-hop. But first, what's a mentor? And where did the concept originate? TV Tropes defines the mentor in a story as a more experienced advisor or confidant to a young, inexperienced character, particularly to the hero. Even though this character is better skilled, faster, and more experienced than the protagonist, they aren't the hero or main protagonist, either because they are not the chosen one, because they have already grown too old for the task, or they have their own job to do. Their role is to introduce a new skill or sharpen the current skills of the protagonist, often hoping to pass the torch because they know their career is coming to an end. This character may die so that the protagonist can learn to stand on their own two feet. The concept of mentoring originated in ancient Greece in Homer's Odyssey. When Odysseus began his famous Odyssey, he left his infant son, Telemachus, in the care of a companion named Mentor. Sorry if I butchered any and or all of those names. This relationship came to define mentoring as a process where an older person helps to counsel and guide a younger person. Since then, the concept of mentors and what forms they take has gone in a number of directions, both in literature and in real-life application of these principles. Mike Burks breaks down the use of modern mentors into three categories. The direct mentor, who is someone in front of you to show you how they did it. The indirect mentor, which includes books, movies, audio, and other media consumed by the individual with the intent of inspiring oneself and seeking guidance from the art form. The third category is simply labeled everything, which Burke argues is applicable only to the people who can find focus on positivity and find motivation in just about anything. While mentors in literature are clearly most often direct mentors, and this is the category most appropriate for a classic narrative, Burke's diversification within the concept of mentoring is more relevant in terms of applicability to modern real-life scenarios. We have mentoring programs, sure, and many people have direct mentors in their life, but we most definitely find inspiration from other sources as well. For example, I listen to the Freakonomics radio podcast often, and though this is partially for entertainment value, it's also because I'm always learning something, and I feel as though I'm being mentored by the knowledge and principles presented to me. Under Burke's description, this works and counts as a legitimate form of mentoring, as does the collective hour I've probably spent listening to Better by Lil Yachty for inspiration so far. Artists, or rather their discographies and personas, often do have a narrative though. So at least when it comes to what an artist would choose to emphasize on and give credit to, it makes sense that they would look at their career thus far and recognize what Burks describes as a direct mentor, because it's the form most common among characters in literature. Furthermore, the American music scene is often portrayed as an exclusive club, and as much as decentralized platforms across the internet have done to disrupt this, this is still the accepted mindset among the titans of each popular genre, and starving artists across the country and around the world dream still of being discovered by an elite. 
On top of that, a significant ideology in the modern American hip-hop scene is a lack of trust for one's peers, one's romantic partners, and at times even one's own family. Hip-hop culture places so much value on loyalty that trust can't logically be given to everyone without refuting that value. So, gaining someone's trust in hip-hop is significant. And once a relationship between two artists is formed, ideally they'll help each other out to the best of their ability. When this kind of relationship begins to bloom and one artist is significantly more skilled or has a notably higher number of advantages than the other, a mentorship may begin. This is especially true if the disadvantaged artist has high levels of potential or if the proposed mentor sees some traits of his own in the emerging musician. So we see how these mentorship kind of relationships blossom in hip-hop and in the American music industry at large. We also see why acknowledgement of direct mentors among artists is more commonplace than in perhaps the life of the average modern American who seeks indirect mentorship in various forms of entertainment, study, and activity. But Hollywood economics and cultural anthropology aside, why hip-hop? As Matthew Linder puts it in his Music Matters article for Patheos, Reading the biographies of many of hip-hop artists unfolds a common theme, fatherlessness. Growing up in the Marcy Houses project, Jay-Z was raised by his mother because his father abandoned him at age 11. Lil Wayne's father left his mother when he was just two years old. Eminem's father left him at 18 months old and no relationship exists between the two. Kanye West was raised in a single mother household after his father divorced his mother when he was three years old. Having no father to look to for guidance, it's not difficult to understand why these artists would gravitate towards relationships with mentors, many of whom would become father figures for the MCs. Birdman, Lil Wayne's mentor, gained custody of Wayne during his teenage years. They would go on to work together for 15 years and in 2006 released a collaborative LP titled Like Father Like Son. According to the online entertainment news outlet Hip Hop DX, Birdman has been credited with giving Dwayne Carter a future from the cutthroat New Orleans streets, as Wayne brought cash money into the 2000s as its biggest star after BG, Juvenile, Manny Fresh, and a host of other acts left the label on bad terms. The business acumen of cash money has carried into Wayne's young money empire, delivering Drake and Nicki Minaj as two of rap's biggest stars in the last few years. Although not every mental relationship in hip-hop is as father-son oriented as that of Wayne and Birdman, there is definitely an underlying theme among these kinds of duos, including that of Dr. Dre and Eminem. On a handful of tracks throughout Eminem's discography in which he dons his slim shady alter ego, Dre is presented as the voice of a reason, trying to calm Slim down and keep him from saying things he doesn't mean that might jeopardize his reputation or his record sales. Tupac received mentorship from Digital Underground early on in his career, while Sujanite would go on to become his father figure later on in life. Jay-Z's relationship with his mentor, Jazzo, would eventually crumble when Jazz declined a contract to Rockefeller Records, though Jay still often takes the time to acknowledge Jazz's role in his career and in his life. Though little is known about the details of Lil Pump's background still, Smoke Perp discovered him at age 13 and has since said Pump was smoking like a grown-ass man and that they hit it off from there. These mentors are so important and so prominent because they're able to offer something to these emerging artists that their biological fathers never could or never bothered to. Many of the artists I've mentioned thus far have spit bar after bar venting frustrations with their upbringings and with their biological dads. Some examples are Eminem's Cleaning Out My Closet, in which M compares his father's ethics to his own. Jay-Z in Where Have You Been explodes in anger at the promises his father once made to him. The aforementioned Matthew Linder in his Music Matters article uses lyrics like these to explain certain aspects of hip-hop's popularity, claiming, Hip-hop's exploration of fatherlessness is one of the multifaceted reasons why an urban, primarily African-American art form was embraced by suburbanite white kids. According to Harvard Magazine, now 57% of women with high school degrees or less education are unmarried when they bear their first child. 
Ultimately, and sadly, without the conventional bonds of marriage, many of these children will not know their fathers. Additionally, the overall divorce rate is hovering around 30% with African American women, exceeding that national average by 20%. Whites and African Americans then can both easily identify their struggle in hip-hop music since it communicates the anguish, resentment, and grief of life without a father. Regardless of how you feel about the opinions he expresses here, the statistics were accurate at the time of his article's publishing January 2013. In 2017, however, numbers like these still ring in our ears. According to the most recent U.S. Census, only 45% of African American households have a married couple, while Hispanic households tout a healthy 70% and white families maintain a boastful 80%. According to an article by Daniel Peterson, African Americans are significantly less likely to ever marry than other ethnic groups, more likely to separate, divorce, and cohabit. They are also less liable to remarry, but more liable to bear kids out of wedlock, specifically in mother-only households. This is incredibly concerning, but these statistics help explain the prominence of fatherlessness as a theme in hip-hop. Hip-hop is still a predominantly African American art form, and these are significant problems in a number of African American communities. But why is this problem so huge? What effect does fatherlessness have on a child, emotionally and psychologically? M. Farouk Radwan, in an article titled Psychology of Fatherless Children, delves into the psychological problems that may arise from growing up fatherless. The major complications he touches on are insecurity, a potential lack of life skills, the inability to comply with laws or authorities, and a sense of inferiority. Sean Grover, LCSW, in his 2016 article for Psychology Today, attempts to debunk myths surrounding fatherless children, such as the proposed increased likelihood to suffer delinquent tendencies, the development of anger issues or depression, and the idea that fatherless men don't know how to be good fathers themselves, or arguing, with validity in my opinion, that there are many other factors at play, including socioeconomic status and the stability of the mother of the child. It's a fairly universally accepted opinion that children benefit most from having two parents and that young boys raised with a father figure on average grew up to be different than those who had none, for better or worse. It's certainly easier for the parents in question as well. Given the fact that many hip-hop artists who develop meaningful relationships with their mentors also lacked a father figure growing up, and taking into account the socioeconomic status these artists were often born into, we can conclude with confidence that there is a connection here, and that meaningful mentors can easily become father figures to these kinds of artists. That is why they're so prominent in hip-hop, a genre ripe with similar scenarios of broken homes and absent fathers. Know that we've yet to mention a single woman in hip-hop so far, and try not to punch me in the face if that bothers you. Indeed, the problem of fatherlessness is not limited to the male gender. Nicki Minaj's father was so abusive that her mother moved Nicki and her siblings to New York from Trinidad when Nicki was just five years old. Kesha, meanwhile, has never met her father, who left her mother before she was born. In Western culture, the primary focus when dealing with fatherlessness is on young boys because father-son relationships are usually defined differently than father-daughter ones. But children of both genders are bound to suffer significantly from such an impactful family issue, perhaps in a strikingly similar fashion. Despite this reality, the attention given to female mentorship in hip-hop is minuscule compared to that of male artists. When mentorship among women in hip-hop is discussed, it seems to take an entirely different form, and the idea of legendary mentor-mentee duos is pretty much unheard of, despite the gender-transcendent theme of fatherlessness that plagues the hip-hop world. In the book Mentoring Demystified, published by the Mentoring Works website, contemporary mentoring is broken down into nine categories, described as such. Informal mentoring, which is conversations that happen by chance or by arrangement. Formal mentoring, which is relationships in a structured program. Peer mentoring, which is two colleagues mentoring each other. Reverse mentoring, when executives mentored by a non-executive. 
Cascading mentoring, where each level of an organization mentors those below. Group mentoring, where one mentor meets with several mentorees. Mentoring roundtables, where peers interact in a group mentoring conversation. Mentoring circles, where you have a facilitated group where each person mentors one person that is mentored by another and mastermind mentoring and business coaching. While the relationship between emerging male hip-hop artists and their mentors is often described and presented as standard informal, formal, or most often mastermind mentoring, mentoring amongst women of hip-hop more often fits into the peer mentoring, mentoring roundtables, and mentoring circles, in which no one person's success is attributed to another and no one gets to become legendary in the way Dr. Dre has. To a degree, this could be seen as a good thing, the sense of unity and equality among women of hip-hop, the problem is, this is the only place we really see this collective unifying attitude of positivity amongst women in hip-hop. I attribute this not to the fault of artists themselves, but to the way they are represented by their labels and by the media. While most male elites of hip-hop are seen in a light of brotherhood and torch passing, the focus for women is instead on violent competition, leaving women of hip-hop with the feverish mentality that there can only be one queen of the genre at a time. How did it get this way? How do we move forward? These are issues we'll be addressing much more in the very next episode of Rattling Hi-Hash, the Hip Hop Philosophy Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, no matter your craft, there's always someone more skilled than you, and there's always more to learn.